Hi, I'm Mega Sugianto. And I'm Imanik Bao. We're all about sharing epic stories, developing data-driven marketing strategies, and building authentic relationships. This is Mega, the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our very first episode. We're so excited to have you here. And I mean, honestly, we can't even believe that we're recording this right now. Right, Mega? It's crazy to think about that, Iman, because three months ago, you had come up with this idea of like, okay, how do we share our stories and our experiences in communication and marketing with people, as well as sharing our three pillars and our values, which were, you know, which are data-driven strategies, storytelling, and building that relationship. So I'm really glad to have this opportunity because this is our time to shine. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, whether you're listening to this while driving to work or maybe in your home office, and let me cut you off, or whether you're working like Iman, who is sitting in the closet on the floor and recording this podcast, you are like, welcome. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Hey, sometimes you got to find a quiet moment from your little toddler running around outside. You're a great mom. I promise. I know that for sure. The world knows it now. (laughs) Thank you, Mega. But anyway, the reason we're here is we like to tell awesome stories. We want to build a relationship with you guys. We want to give back with what we've learned and what we're still learning along the way. A little bit about me. I have a background in marketing with experience in communications, PR, and social media. I love telling brand stories. I love to create and just build those relationships online. As a television news reporter, I focus a lot on telling great stories, what makes it compelling, what provokes, you know, evokes action, and pair that up with a little bit of data science. Is, uh, it kind of boils down to our values of creating data-driven strategies. And for today's episode, we're really going to focus on how do you tell a great story, especially from the the perspective of a business owner, because there's so much noise out there, right? There's so many ads, there's so many competition, whatever. Like how, how do you do that? How, where, where the heck do you even start to tell your story? So we're really glad because I know that um, we do have a guest speaker to share. I, I, I'm curious to hear your perspective before we jump into that, Iman. You guys are in for something amazing. Let me just start by saying that. From our conversation today, you are going to hear from someone who is so incredibly talented. Um, he has an incredibly inspiring story. And he's driven by his passion. Everything that he has done from the very beginning of his career to where he is now has been fueled by his passion. You know, I'm excited to share the conversation that I had with Brandon Sugiyama. He was the former um, lead animator over at the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. It's won an Emmy Award. He's won an Emmy Award. And I think that he's really awesome, but not necessarily for the award, but it's from his journey and the story that he shared. Because I had met him back when I was in college, when I was in this organization called AAJA. And it stands for Asian American Journalist Association. And I talked about how I was a reporter back then. And that's how I started. And when I went to this convention, all the students were there and Brandon was one of our mentors. I had so many questions like, how do you tell a story? Where do, where do you even start? And Brendan at the time was a graphic designer and he was able to lay things out in such a very simple, easy to digest kind of way. And I thought he literally had it all. 
and and I'm excited to share this conversation with you guys because his journey as well as what the perception I had of him is completely just like not what it is and let's play that right now I'm really excited to have you here, Brandon. We've got Brandon Sugiyama, and I don't know how to introduce you properly because you've got like multifaceted different things. You're a storyteller, you're an animator, you've worked on, you know, as a lead animator on the Emmy Award winning Netflix show, Patriot Act with Hassan, which is my favorite, by the way. And you've got <laughs> like, you've got wushu in your background. So I wanted to like ask you, what mm-hmm. is it that you're passionate about because there's so much going on that's a very tough question to answer um i think i'm passionate about uh learning learning about myself learning about the world i'm really passionate about taking on new challenges and kind of broadening my abilities through different experiences um i like moving around trying new things meeting new people i guess that's kind of it in a nutshell and and how did you get into animation? Let's start off with that. Out of mm. all things that you could do in life, you you went that direction. Like what yeah. what interested you? In that? <clears throat> okay, so this this is going to be a long story. So if you need to edit this, no problem. So all right, the the long story is that when I was young, I loved art. I loved drawing, painting. I loved doodling. I used to draw comic book characters. Um, I had amazing art teachers in middle school and high school. I got into photography. I got into silk screening. And so when I was finishing up with high school, I really thought I was going to move towards a creative career. But I just didn't know what that meant. Like I didn't have, I had good teachers, but I didn't have role models as far as like, what, did it, what would it be like to have a profession as a artist? I just, I just didn't understand what that meant. So I remember having a conversation with my father about uh, going into a creative career. And I said something like, I was looking at some booklet that uh, my high school career center or career counselor had given me. And it said, oh, if you're like a graphic artist, or I think back then actually the term was commercial artist, you could make X amount of dollars. And as like uh, uh, a 17-year-old who doesn't know anything about the world, I said to my father, wow, look, dad, you can make this much money as a commercial artist. And my father said, like, just off the cuff, no, no delay was like, that's not enough. That's not a lot of money. And therefore, in that one conversation, my dream of being like an artist was like crushed. So I didn't go that route. I went to college. I studied city planning and public policy. Uh, I got involved in student government, got involved with the Asian Pacific American Student Union and all these other things and then uh, started working for AHA after college Um, and kind of like did this like weird uh, roundabout thing. I worked at AHA, then I left, then I worked for a web development company, then I worked for an internet startup, then I worked for a film festival, then I came back to AHA, then I left AHA, I moved to China to do Wushu, then I came back, worked for AHA again, and it was that third time working for AJ that I realized uh, I really wanted to do something else with, with my life as far as a career. Like I liked the work that that organization did and I liked 
meeting people. I loved working with the students. I loved working with the professionals, but it just didn't feel like a career. Like for instance, like working with students like, like yourself when you were on the student projects, to me, you were all very inspirational to me. I'm like, I've never, I, when I was in college, I wasn't passionate about a career. I didn't have like this one thing and speaking to students like yourself was like, oh, I want to be a reporter. I want to be a writer. I want to do this. And you were all like so driven. It really made me feel like, well, what, what am I passionate about? On the flip side, working with all the professional journalists, that was also very inspiring because here are people that are like volunteering their vacation time to, you know, to like mentor students, to travel to these different places, sometimes on their own dime because they care about their craft so much. I'm like, damn, like I wish I had a career where I felt like that invested. So, so I looked into like what in my life had I ever been that passionate about? And it kept coming back to like art and design and making things and being creative. So I started looking for some kind of college program or continuing education or something. I'm like, I need, I want, if I want to go that route, I need to learn. And the way I learn best is in a structured environment. Mm. So I, I looked into some programs and uh, there was one school that I'd heard of actually through some friends. It was called Expression College for, for uh, Digital Arts. And I scheduled a campus visit and they showed me around the facility. The facility was really beautiful. And um, the admissions rep sat me down and was like, oh, here is a video. Here's the demo reel of the student's work in our motion graphic design program. And until that day, I didn't know what motion graphics really was. But I remember when she showed me that video, I was like, that's what I want to do. It's, it's animation, it's cinematography, it's directing, it's video editing. It had like really upbeat music. It made me feel like I was watching a music video or I was at a concert watching like really cool visuals. And like that sold me. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I don't know how they did that. And then I enrolled. I was like in classes two months later. And then that was it. How much time had passed from your dad saying no yeah. to that video? 12 years. So what's interesting is, I don't know if it has a lot to do with culture or backgrounds mm. or whatever. I, I had the same exper similar experience. I wouldn't say the yeah. same, where I wanted to be a communications person. I wanted to be a reporter. And one of my yeah. family members said, you're going to fail. <laughs> like, luckily yeah. though, my mother was like, you know, screw that. Don't listen to them. Try it mm -hmm. out. And if you're passionate about it, you're, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I don't know if she's right. I'm still on that journey, but yeah. you know, would you, would you have changed your, your life at all? If you had known, like if you could have just stayed with that passion or would you just kind of keep it as is? Like, did you want any, do you have any regrets about it or? Mm -hmm. Um, I think I used to think about this a, a long time ago and part of me felt like, well, if I had gone down that path, if I had studied design in college, I would have come out and, and if I had moved to San Francisco after college, like, like I did, I probably would have killed it in the first wave of the internet. Because that would have been like 98, yeah. 99. And if I'd come, if I'd moved to the Bay Area in 98, 
with some solid design skills, that probably would have been it. I would have been a web designer, which would have, you know, I don't know what would have happened, who, what company I would have worked for. But on the flip side, I kind of like the way that everything worked out, you know? Um, definitely my 20s were filled with a lot of like stumbling around and being very unsure of myself and, and feeling like I didn't have a lot of direction. But it also gave me a lot of time to figure out like who I was. And uh, on, the, on the same token, when I went back to college for design, I was 30. I was the best student I had ever been in my entire life. You know, like high school, I was like, a B student college. I think my GPA for a little while was slipped below 3.0 because I just, I didn't have like a lot of like drive as far as like, this is why I'm studying. But when I went back, I was valedictorian. Wow. Yeah. So it really, that whole time of learning who you are, that stumbling really added to the fact that you know what you wanted, you're going to get this done and you're going to mm -hmm. kill it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. so my, my question would be, you know, as you're learning all of this stuff, how, when did you realize, or did you realize that storytelling was that important to you? Like how important was storytelling? That is, a, that is a tough question. Okay. I'll address that like on a, on a personal level. I think, I think the stories that we tell ourselves are really like strong motivators, you know? So Going back to college when I was 30, as you had just said, like I went in with a very clear idea of, okay, I am doing this because I want to change my life. I looked back at my life, okay, my 20s were good, but they weren't great. I wanted to make my 30s and beyond amazing. And in order to do that, I needed to learn these new skills and come out with a degree so that I could enter this new industry to build a career. So when you have that very clear idea and you have the story in your head, this is why I'm doing something, that is a very strong motivator. You know, when I was young, why did I go to college? I went to college because that's what everyone did. Why did, you know, like, oh, you're 18, graduating high school. My brother went to college. I guess I'll go to college. You're looking at your friends. They're all going to college. Okay, I guess I will too. But I didn't, I, Why? What was the end? Like I had no story to tell myself, this is why I'm going to college. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, that essentially changed the trajectory of your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's probably the, the most profound decision that I ever made. My second one was moving to New York. That decision was the second biggest. Why? <sighs> I'm, I'm given. Why is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. The reason is because before I moved to New York, I looked at New York as a city like, oh, that's something for other people. I had visited New York several times. I enjoyed it. I liked it. But I'm a California kid. And, you know, you grow up seeing movies about New York. And you have this image in your mind of like, oh, no, no, no. These types of people live in New York. And these types of people can do well in New York. And I am not one of those people. Or at least this is, this, is, this is the dialogue that was going on in my head. But when I finally moved to New York, it just like that all changed. My career trajectory changed. The quality of my work went way up. And that was because I was working with people that were really, really good. 
And I think, like, I, I, I cannot stress enough the importance of, like, before you see something, you can't really grasp the potential. Well, let me rephrase that. Like, there were a lot of times where I would go online and I'd look at like blogs on design and you'd see something like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can never do that. That person is so talented. That person is so skilled. That person is not me. But when I got to New York, I got to work sitting next to people that made work of that quality and just being there and seeing like, oh no, this, that is possible. Okay. And you can ask them like, how did you do that? Or you kind of like look over your shoulder and just see how people were doing things. And it, then it makes that a reality. It's, it's like the importance of like having role models that you can see like, oh, wow, that person did it. Well, maybe I can do that too. And I think design-wise, if I hadn't moved to New York, I don't think my work would have improved the way that it did. And that's really just because of the opportunities and being around the people. What I took away from that is with a story that you tell yourself, whether it's the mindset or the limiting beliefs that you, the dialogue that you were talking about in your yeah. head, um, and then surrounding yourself with people who are much better than you, yeah, that you oh, can yeah. learn from. Mm -hmm. Because I'm I'm looking at your website, and there's like you've worked with, you know, the Patriot Act. You've got TEDx or TED conferences, the mm -hmm. documentary group, and New York Times Olympic Committee, the U.S. Olympic Committee. You've got all these cool names under your belt, and and are you saying that because you flipped the script on yourself? Yeah, all that happened. Absolutely. And more. Yes, yes. I think I think before moving to New York, my confidence level was here. I felt like okay, I'm I'm good enough to work in this industry, but I didn't. I still thought of myself as being small. I was only a couple years out of design college, even though I was like older in years, my experience level was still, you know, low. I still considered myself as a beginner. And yeah, when you see other people doing great work, then it inspires you and, and then everything continues. That's crazy though, because, you know, from my perspective, I looked at you and I was like, you're the head honcho of, Haha, like I, I, when, I fooled you. When I was, <laughs> no, it was, you know, you had mentioned AAJA, yeah. the Asian yeah. American Journalist Association. That's what I was part of. I was part of that group, the student journalists. And I thought you as mentors had it all figured out, mm -hmm. had, you know, the, the career all set, the financials all set, the desires all set. Like that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to be. And that's really yeah. interesting now talking back in hindsight that you weren't necessarily there. No, that's, that's fascinating. No, I mean, I, I think also that's just a testament to like everybody's life. We're constantly a work in progress. We're constantly a work in progress. And on, on the same token, when even when we see someone and like, oh my God, that person is so good, or you're following someone on Instagram or, you know, social media, or you have like your heroes or your mentors, those, they're just people too. And they have the same feelings we're all emotional beings we have fears we have you know insecurities um it's just a matter of like well how do you how do you deal with your fear how do you deal with insecurity i think it's completely human to feel all those things but i think if you want to live a happy life and live a successful life you need to also learn how to move through those things and 
and uh, be confident in your abilities. Yeah, that, that's one of the things I was talking to my personal mentor. She's like, mm-hmm. progress. Progress is really the the key here where you learn from your mistakes, you keep yeah. going. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about, okay, so here's your role as an animator. You've won mm-hmm. an Emmy Award. Mm-hmm. You've got the statue right there in your in your home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're you're a yeah. pretty epic dude. Like you just got recognized for the like the amazing work that you decide on. Yeah. But I'm curious. We know stories are important. Yeah. But how do you decide when and how to tell that story to make sure that people get it and that they feel the story that you want to tell? Ooh. Um. One. Uh. Know your audience. Know who you're who you're speaking to. And, and, and think about it, I think, through, through their lens, right? Um, we were talking a little bit earlier and you were saying, oh, you know, when people tell stories, they want to like throw in everything. But that's because we're seeing, we're trying to tell the story like from our perspective. And we know all these things, all these little internal dialogues that are going on in our head, like that's why this is important. And this is this other thing. And then I did this because of this and this and this and this. I think when you're trying to tell a story and connecting with people, all that other stuff isn't important. You just need to like really refine it down to something that that person can relate to. That person doesn't know all these other things. Maybe their life was different. They don't, they don't need to know all that, all that stuff. Like I think simplicity is important. And I think um, making very clear, clear points and connections with people. Yeah, I mean, you're the expert, but damn, simplicity is hard to achieve. It's right? very, it's very hard to achieve. It's super hard to achieve. It's, it's like, um, you know, you have a background in journalism. You remember like how hard it is to like edit yourself? You're like, you like, I wrote, I wrote 1000 words and there's like, oh, wait, it has to be 300. Like, how do you cut that down? And like, okay, just send it to your editor and let them, let them chop it up and, and, and cross things out. But yeah, trying to like edit down your story to something like your personal story into something that connects with people. Um, I guess that's t- it's it's really tough. It's really really tough. Simplification is like I think one of the hardest things. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that's a constant struggle and something that it's something I get now. It's a something that I get paid for to do is to help yeah. craft people's tell story uh, right. people's stories because it isn't easy it's also a different perspective mm-hmm. and my curiosity is you you kind of touched upon it a little bit with yeah. know your audience you know what are they going through what's their lens but do you have a set of questions or a couple of questions that you like to start with to to get you towards that end goal of that story <sighs> um oof, that is a tough question you did that was a, a big one um, I think, I think the answer is no, I don't have a set list because I think each story is a little bit different or each, or each situation is different. So taking Patriot Act as an example, I mean, we've got a big team, you know, the graphics team, you know, I served as a lead animator. We have another team, a full team of animators. We have an episode lead. We have a creative director. Um, and that's just for graphics. Then we had the news team, researchers, archival. Then we have the writers. Then we have the people in live TV production and all those departments are working together. So in, in that situation, 
those questions, other than the visual component, those questions are being asked by other people. But then when it comes to the graphics team, we're just trying to figure out, okay, here's what is going to be said. This is what, this is the script. This is what Hassan is saying. This is, here are the key points we're trying to get across. How do we make it work visually? I, I think we, we, we talked offline before about, I think the first question is, do we need to show that with graphics? Which, which sounds like a silly question for a graphics person to be asking, but I think it's like the most important first question. Does it, does it have to be visual? Do we, have to, do we have to show it? Or is it okay if he just says it? Maybe he just says it when we don't have to have something fancy animating behind him with all the bells and whistles. Okay, so if the question, if the answer is yes, we, we do want to show it visually. Okay, that's going to be on the screens and then edited into the TV show. That might only be on screen for like two seconds. Okay, if you've only got two seconds, that's just like a blink of the eye, right? So how do you refine something down? Okay, is it going to be a graph? Do we just show someone's face? Or do we do this big elaborate moment um, that's impactful and has that wow factor? I mean, those are the decisions you have to make. But your but you, your moment is brief, and so you, sh you can't get caught up with like, oh, it has to be perfect. No, it just has to work. You know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to work in that moment. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying can translate to to social media, to a yeah. website, to yeah. your to your ads, what have you. Anything. Um, it really does put it into perspective into like, well, is it necessary? Not yeah. everything is important. So how do you really prioritize that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Our lives are, are becoming more and more complex. We are constantly being bombarded with messaging and, and notifications and like all this visual like stuff around us. So, um, you know, what messages make it through all the noise? What, what, what do you connect with? And so then if you look at it from your life, then you, okay, you can flip it around. Okay, well, if I was the person telling the story, if, I, if that story is important, how do I package, how do I package that? Or how do I present it so that someone, someone that we know, their attention is like in 50 places when they <laughs> scroll, when they scroll through it, yeah. Or happen to pull out the phone and look at their notification. They're scrolling on Facebook. What do they need to see? We're like, oh, oh, cool. Oh, that's interesting. You know? And that's that's through testing and figuring out and knowing yeah. your audience, I think. Yeah. You have you to know, te yeah, test things out. Um, there is a quote that I stumbled upon somewhere on your website. It says... <laughs> If one part moves, every part moves. And this oh, is referring yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that one part that I wanted to touch upon before mm -hmm. we close out is you're doing this thing called wushu, yeah. which, I, you know, we talked about this. I, I know nothing about it. Right. So, what, what is that? Because I, I'm making the assumption that that plays a huge role in your life, too, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's. Uh, so wushu, the short answer is wushu is contemporary Chinese martial arts for sport and fitness. So you have traditional Chinese martial arts, aka kung fu. So the things you think about from movies, all those old Shaw brothers, 
Kung Fu films, Bruce Lee, Jet Li, Don Indiana, Ip Man, all those things. That's kind of, uh, th- those are the dr- dramatized versions of traditional Chinese martial arts. Wushu is a contemporary version of all of that. So why, what, why do you do that? And what have you learned? Yeah, why, why do I do that? Well, I do it because I'm a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, think, I think you have to be a little bit crazy to do something like Wushu. Um, as you said, like you don't know what Wushu is, and I would bet that 99.9% of the general population does not know what it is. So why would I invest so much of my time and energy and resources into practicing something that really no one else cares about, that, 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 that does not bring me any financial wealth. If anything, like it just takes money out of my bank account. So uh, yeah, one, I'm crazy. Two, um, I, I love it. It's the longest relationship with anything I've had in my life that wasn't a, a blood relative. Um, and it's taught me more about myself than probably anything else in my entire life. That's powerful. Like, yeah, it's, but it's like, it's the truth. It, it's really, um, like, like what aspects of things? I mean, um, it's, it's been a reason for me to travel all around the world to places that I had never, um, imagine myself going it it connected me with individuals and a community of people that have resulted in some of the the closest friendships um in my life uh, an incredible support network um people from countries that i didn't even know existed you know as as an american i'm saying as american we do not Uh, know our global geography very well and I'll give an example. I was at a, a Wushu tournament. So I've traveled all over to compete and everything. I was at a tournament and this, everyone's wearing their team jackets and this team had these awesome jackets. I'm like, oh my God, those jackets are amazing. Where are they from? And it said the uh, Kyrgyz Republic. And I was like, I don't know, what, what is that? And I had to like remember that and I go back and I Googled it. I'm like, oh, that's Kyrgyzstan. Okay, I didn't even know that that was a country. That's, that's embarrassing to say. Like they were there. They were representing, they're practicing the same thing that I do. Um, they're on the other side of the planet. And when I got to meet them, they were awesome. Now we're all friends on social media and we see each other at tournaments and we're all buddies. So like, I would, that would not have ever happened if I hadn't been practicing Wushu. On the, uh, additional to that, so that's like, okay, travel, meeting people, but, but like... It's taught me that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was, that I have abilities that I didn't ever imagine that I could build. Um, I'm a lot more uh, resilient than I ever thought that I was. Um, I mean, I remember when I went back to school for design, uh, which was tough. I mean, school was very challenging. But I remember times where we'd be in the computer lab working on our assignments and I'd look at the other students, most of whom were much younger than I was, and they'd be saying like how hard it was. Like, this is so hard. Like, we got to be in this lab for like so long. And I never said it, but I remember very clearly thinking this, just doing my work and thinking, 
you guys don't know what hard is. I practiced wushu in China. That's hard. Having a Chinese coach chewing you out when your body is so sore and you're sweating and all you want to do is lie down. No, that's hard. Sitting in a lab working on your class project is not hard. You know, like it, it completely, like completely changed the bar of what I thought hard is, you know, working at a computer. It's, it's not hard. Building yeah. a computer is not hard. What's hard is like trying to physically push yourself through this thing where your body is like screaming out to tell you no. And you just have to keep going anyway. I, I yeah. for, for anybody who's like won a marathon or achieved any reasonable level of skill in a sport probably has, has a similar perspective on that. Maybe I can't relate. I mean, two flights of stairs and I'm done. So, <laughs> you know, I, I have different perspective on that. Like my, mine was, I was a reporter. I had to do protest coverage when Trump became president and a whole bunch of like, you know, riots came up and mm. I went to work and my boss gave me a tear gas mask and I was like, Oh, it's going to be a great day. Yeah. And yeah. having to go through that was really, really hard. Having the walking like nine miles with all your gear on was hard. Yeah. And it, it does add some perspective dependent upon what it is that you experience. Right. And I, I'm very appreciative of your time because what I had thought about you, mm. I've come to find out that it wasn't what I had perceived back yeah. in college. Right. You know, as, as my quote unquote, you know, you were given the assignment to be my mentor, mm -hmm. I thought you had it all. But right. here you are telling me that you're also um, learning. You have yeah. lots of things to still accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mindset's really important. Wushu is a big part of you. And, and animation, um, even though you could have probably killed it, you wouldn't necessarily have changed the path that you've taken because it's made you who you are today. Yeah, yeah I, 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 you should not live your life with any regrets this your life no matter what happened no matter where you started out no matter what path you've taken it's yours you need to embrace it you need to own it and uh, keep moving forward the sun's going to rise tomorrow there's going to be another day whatever challenges you face you're going to get another chance tomorrow i just don't think you should waste any of your energy or your time dwelling on something that happened in the past. Don't let your fears stop you from getting up tomorrow and trying something new and different. Incredible words by Brandon Sugiyama. That was really compelling in, in so many different levels, I think, Iman, because, you know, kind of in the, in the beginning of it, he talked about his dad, his own perceptions and like his passion and stuff like that. But the other thing that striked me as powerful was when he said we moved, he moved to New York and he had hung out with people who, who had better skills than him and learned from them. I think that's really a testament of how we should live our life as, as a person as well as business owners because we need to constantly surround ourselves with people who are better than us to learn and to develop and help each other and to be that community. I thought that was really compelling. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. I think one of the pieces that really resonated with me was 
the way that he shared his story about his dad and the direction that he was trying to push him in when it came to his career choice. I actually faced some similar challenges while in college. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And, you know, coming from the background that I come from, I was kind of trained to believe that I could only pursue a handful of careers. But when I did surround myself with those people that wanted to pursue medicine, I realized that I didn't share the same passion that they did. And what was life-changing for me was a project where I actually had to design a magazine and write and create art for it. And I remember seeing it for hours, perfecting every detail. And that's when I understood what passion really was. And it really changed the trajectory of my life the same way that when Brandon decided to go back to college and really hone those skills, uh, his entire life was his entire life story was completely rewritten. That's crazy because when you were talking about culture, obviously everyone has a different experience and background. You clearly have a different one and I, I do as well. But I remember being a kid or even in high school up to probably like after I started like being out on my own was when I realized like, wow, my family, my experiences, my background has so much like shaped me in the person that I was like, I had to question everything. And I felt like that transition can apply to marketing and business too, because like, I, I had to question why my family was like that. Why was I like, like the way I was? Or why did I think the way that I did? Or why did I do things differently than others? Um, and I, I thought poking holes in my own personal story gave me a reason to, to further explain who I was and who I wanted to become. And I think that there is some correlation, I suppose, with business because there's going to be, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition out there. Mm -hmm. And what makes you unique is going to be really this, this, you know, the, the star, the standing point, the North Star or whatever you call it. Yeah, you, you talked about the why, why you are the way you are, why your story was being written the way it was being written. And I think ultimately that's at the crux of any good, compelling story, whether it's your brand, whether it's your business, whether it's your personal story, what is the story you're telling yourself? And the way you do that is understanding why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you trying to reach the people you're trying to reach? Once you understand that, you will have a direction to go in, um, from, you know, from a marketing standpoint, from a business standpoint, just like you said. And the one thing to add with your comment is to be very loving and forgiving with yourself. Um, even in recording this podcast, we've kind of recorded a couple of times because we're like, ah, oh, this is not perfect. This is not what we want it to become or, or how it wants, how we want it to represent. But we have to also understand that it's a process, right? Why we're doing what we're doing, it's a starting point. And over time, we can shape it and develop it and refine it, what have you. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it, honestly. I think that's awesome that you mentioned that, you know, we did go through several iterations of our recording today. And ultimately, I think it comes back to what Brandon said is, we just need to own our own life. We need to own our story. At the end of the day, we're we're in control and the story that we tell is going to be whatever we want it to be. What is it that you want to do? And ask yourself why. 
It doesn't matter about what your, your family is saying, what your friends say, even what your inner critic is saying to you, what drives you and what fuels you and what is that fire that is like literally just like itching and wanting to get out and focus on that. And, you know, that's something that I want to be able to just leave that, soak it in. Is there anything else you want to, to end with or add, Iman? Yeah, I think the last thing I want to leave our listeners with is a reminder that the story that you tell yourself, the words that you say in your head or maybe even out loud are going to become your actions. And that's ultimately going to become your habits. And that's going to be the story that you you leave behind. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. We want to get to know you better. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or visit megasugianto.com slash podcast. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. See ya.